Good morning. We have someone from our university here, the Director of Alumni Relations, Brian Zins. Good morning. Morning, Karen. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, we're, we brought you in today because you're going to talk about something called it's called Main Street Mavericks, and it's an event, actually a series of events, but the first one's February 6th. What in the world is Main Street Mavericks? So Main Street Mavericks is an idea that we came up with not long ago as a, a way to uh, create an event uh, for and, and for the benefit of our alumni, uh, but featuring uh, businesses that are owned and, and run by alumni. And as you said, this is the, the first event of what we hope will be a very successful series. And um, we just couldn't think of a better, uh, a better business, a better person, a better alum to, to start this than, uh, than the Mankato Brewery and, and Tim Tupi. We're excited to, to launch this series. All right, so Tim Tupi, you are the guy who is gonna be the, the lead organization, I guess we'll say, for Main Street Mavericks. And that includes, of course, it's gotta be virtual because everything now is because of COVID. So it's a virtual tour of the Mankato Brewery. How in the world does one do a, uh, I guess a virtual tasting? Virtually. How does How does that work? <laughs> yes, how, how does that work? I'm trying to think, how am I gonna taste your product if I'm on my computer? Sure, so the kit that they actually get. Oh, we get a kit? Uh, you get a kit. Yes. So $30 for the kit, and that includes two different crawlers. So they're 25-ounce cans of beer. Uh, so I'll, I'll kind of circle back to that when it comes time to the sampling part. Uh, you get your own sampling glasses that are logoed, so that's kind of fun just to kind of make sure that uh, you have the proper glassware with your uh, friend that you're doing this with. Um, you know, And then there's a face mask, so you get two face masks in there. Uh, you know, perfect uh, if you're in close proximity of your friend, whoever it might be. Uh, of course, are these little mini foam fingers. These are all like Maverick branded for the foam fingers and nice. the masks. And then uh, some purple and gold beads. And then the the way the event's going to work virtually is that uh, at that start time, uh, we will be going live. Uh, people can follow along at home or on their mobile device or wherever they might be. If it's possibly at work, if they want, to, if they can drink beer at work, um, <laughs> you know, it is later on a Saturday, <laughs> right? Uh, right before a Maverick hockey game. Oh, cool! But then I'll go around virtually and walk everybody through and give them a quick little tour of the brewery. Uh, very quickly, I don't want to bore them, so just a little bit about the process. Uh, you know, obviously introduce myself and then just. Uh, a little bit about how I got into Mankato Brewery and starting it. And then we'll go into the sampling part. So we'll talk about the beers and what they should expect and kind of help educate people on, you know, the right ways of sampling beer because there is a right way. Uh, I mean, sure, you just want to drink it, but uh, we'll talk <laughs> about flavor and aroma and things like that also. Uh, and then it will be kind of open up to a kind of a Q&A that people might be posting questions that uh, I'll do my best to try to answer. Wow. So it's a Facebook live event on Saturday, February 6th. So it's coming up and you said it's at five o'clock. Does it have an end time or is it till whenever everybody gets tired of listening to you talk or show them around virtually? Well, I think we're trying to keep it around 15 minutes just because oh. we know once we go longer than that, uh, as far as the structured part to the event, we'll keep going as long as people have questions. So, okay. I mean, I'm not in a hurry to be anywhere. So if people have questions that they want to ask, uh, we'll be available to answer them as uh, as the event continues. Now, your background is, of course, 
a business owner and you got your experience or your learning here from Minnesota State University. It says you were a 1991 graduate from the College of Business. Correct. And so how did that help prepare you for what you do today? Because I know you own a couple businesses. Yep. So, I mean, sometimes, I mean, so this business was a planned. Uh, the other business my wife and I own is a salon and spa, and we've owned that for about 28 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, you know, your her boss was retiring, so we bought it, and then we grew it from there, and we have over 60 employees with that. So Mankato Brewery, which we actually just had our nine-year anniversary, oh, which wow. we couldn't have our party, which is kind of a <laughs> bummer. Um, so we may have, a, like kids do a nine and a half years old, maybe. We'll do something in the summer. Uh, so we'll see how we do on that. But uh, in 2012 was the first product in the market. So now, our logo, how did you get into making products, though, is what I want to know. Because did sure. somebody just like in their home go, I'm going to make some beer? Or well, I mean, how does that work? I guess I wasn't the guy that made beer during college just in order okay. to make beer because I either wasn't old enough or uh, oh. to save money. Anybody who's a home brewer knows you don't make your own beer to save money because oh. it's cheaper just to go buy it on the shelf. It's sure. just kind of fun and something unique to do. My, I'm from New Prague, so just you know, northeast of here, about 45 minutes, just south of the metro. And my great 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 grandfather was the first, opened up the first brewery in New Prague. Oh wow! Uh, his name was last name was Minar, uh, or Minor. Uh, Something you're like uh, how they might pronounce it. He uh, basically from generation to generation, and over the years that that eventually. Uh, closed uh they tried sodas during prohibition came out of prohibition was soda only and then the 60s they actually shut down that uh company you know the names have changed over the year but the legacy it started from my great 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 grandfather in 1885 wow uh so minor minar were i've yet to kind of figure it out but i believe he probably was a cellarman uh at a brewery in czechoslovakia that's where my ancestors are from so that's kind of what got me into making beer uh, back in 2010, when I incorporated the company and started putting together the business plan, looking for investors, talking to banks, all that kind of good stuff, and figuring out what I needed for equipment, and knowing that I was going to hire somebody that could make the beer, I didn't, you know, I was a uh, a good home brewer, but I also knew that there's professionals. You know, they have an undergraduate, a master's type program. I wanted to have somebody that really could do it day in day out, and I I didn't want to, you know, you hire people for that kind of stuff, so. That was the plan right away. Uh, in that process, when I started working on it, there was only 12 breweries in the entire state in 2010. Oh, wow, really? Uh, huh. And two of them were brew pubs, you know, Grand City and Rock mm-hmm. Bottom at the time. And so the landscape has changed quite a bit. Fast forward two years to 2012 when we had first product in the market. I can still remember sitting around the table with Omar from Surly. He's like, welcome, you know, you're the newest brewery. And he said, you're number 20 at that time. He said, but you won't be new for long, you know, the way they're <laughs> popping up. Uh, so, you know, that's that's a lot that's changed in the landscape of tap rooms and all that's, that's changed. So, you know, during the tour, I'll talk about all that kind of stuff of like legally what Minnesota has done and not done in comparison to other states and what's happened over the last, let's say, even 10 years as far as liquor laws and what breweries can and can't do and why we are who we are. Uh, you know, we're, so we're kind of, I still feel like the new guy on the block, uh, especially with, you know, a great company, a brewery like Shell's just, you know, second oldest in the country. 
uh, I still feel like we're brand new. I mean, but yet, uh, in legacy wise, we've been around for quite a while, actually, compared to a lot of the other breweries, too. How many are breweries are there in the state? Now, you mentioned it started with just 12. Are there hundreds or dozens? Or what would you say without, if you don't have an exact number, that's okay. I don't have an exact number. I don't know. I think uh, 170, somewhere in that area. Really? So, okay. Yeah, it's, it's quite a few. And then it's really confusing, too, because I'm not to get into it too much right now, but there are tap rooms only. So uh, Minnesota Pint Law passed in 2012, that spring. And when the Pint Law passed, it allowed a brewery to sell a pint of beer. When we worked on our business plan and before we opened it, you could only give beer away. That's not a really good business model. Mm -hmm. So so you can't charge for it. You could sell growlers, you know, half gallon jug of it, and that was it. And, you know, we sold it over the open trench drain two days a week just for like an hour or two we opened up and people could come in. But that wasn't our core business. It's still not our core business. Our bread and butter of what keeps our doors open is our uh, distributors and the bars and restaurants. 70% of all of our sales are sold outside of, uh, our tap room. So that's a big part of what we do. We really want to push what they're doing. Uh, and I should even be further clarify 70% of what we sell, 65 to 70% of our sales is draft bars and restaurants. Now that's not even from liquor stores. 2020 changed quite a bit because mm -hmm. bars and restaurants being closed and liquor store sales going up. So a lot of things changed that in 2020. So we're kind of curious to see it's so hard to forecast, you know, budget wise and everything for what's 2021 going to do, because mm -hmm. we just don't really know. But as things evolved and changed last year, we did a shift. Uh, and a lot of people talk about like, oh my gosh, so what happened when the bars closed? Well, our sales dropped, I bet. Well, the 65, 70% of our sales were gone. Oh, wow. Just overnight. Mm. So now we're kind of building that back. We do distribute a little bit in the Dakotas and Iowa. So we did have some sales and Wisconsin and those states that were still open. Uh, but it's not enough for what we need. So our shift was to package and really try to force that in. Our tap room, if you've ever been to our brewery, we're on a dead end street of Center Street. So yes. people from <laughs> Mankato don't live down here. They maybe remember Hineker Pond or the pit. So that center street from Mankato, North Mankato, it doesn't allow you to cut through, but essentially that our road would run you right into the pit uh, going north into that. And uh, we're on that street. So it's a dead end street. You know, behind us is the city compost. Uh, there's a semi truck wash, a truck trailer across the street, and then the city garage to our north. So I it's mean, rather industrial in, in a way. Very industrial. So you have to want to go to visit us in order to truly want to like experience the brewery. And we're very limited on our hours. So we are not like in a downtown retail. I mean, that is not who we are. We are here to create beer, to be sold to bars and restaurants and liquor stores and our marketing arm that where we can experiment with new beers and or just have fun with events is uh, where the brewery is. And of course, events is on hold too. So now this is an event you are participating in this Main Street Mavericks event for alumni. And I assume if you're not an alumni, you're also welcome, correct? Especially for the the Facebook Live event, uh, which will which will be um, which you can join uh, by going to Mankato Brewery's Facebook uh, Facebook presence. Um, you know, th this is kind of a hybrid event for us. You know, in a, in a perfect world, of course, we we wish we were welcoming 200 alums and, and their family and friends in in person. That that's just not you know in the cards right now. But rather than sit back and wait for this this date to be determined when we can do that, <laughs> uh, we, we sat down and got got creative. And I think this hybrid event of of stopping down to the brewery to pick up the kit that's been pre-purchased, 
and and taking it home and then and then joining your your Maverick alums uh, on the Facebook Live event is a, a wonderful way to to get this done. So you still get that camaraderie. It's just in a different way. Have you done other Facebook Live events, Tim, or is this a new venture for you? We did one for the Jay Z Cancer Fund for the Hero Hazy that we do for that beer. Um, you know, I wasn't really too much involved in that process because there was, you know, there was a shave down to it. There was a band with live music so people could kind of engage and jump on when they wanted. So it wasn't something like this. Uh, so this is our first time really doing anything like this. So I'm pretty excited about it uh, to see how this can work. Um, you know, the great thing is obviously from our perspective, if we were to do something and invest the time and energy, it's with the right partner. And we feel like, you know, selfishly myself and a lot of our team, you know, we're, uh, Maverick alums. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a really neat thing to be participating in, to be part of it. And, uh, you know, we are just dealing with what the best we can do at this time. And the idea of doing it virtually where people can hop in and watch and, and knowing that it's not like they have to sit through something for an hour. I mean, yeah. you know, I think the idea is that, you know, we've talked about it. Once you kind of hit that 10, 15 minutes, you're going to start to lose some people. Um, you know, by that time they might be done with their beer and then they're, <laughs> they're, uh, you lost them to the fridge getting in, uh, something else. But, uh, so it should be kind of a fun thing. We're really uh, excited just to see how this all works out. And I think that people really enjoy it. Is there a special beer that is part of this kit that people can get, Tim, or what can they expect to get? Well, the two beers we're doing, it's uh, two of our flagships. We have Mad Butcher IPA, so it's that citrusy, juicy IPA, kind of that grapefruit kind of character to it. So that's our number one beer. We're also, we figured we wanted to throw something in there that's got a little legacy to the community. So Cato beer is the other one that we have in it. That's a light German Hellas type lager. So we figured between the two that we should be able to capture the appeal of most people. Um, you know, not everybody likes an IPA, but I mean, it's a pretty uh, approachable IPA. Even my wife, you know, sh- she likes the light lager style or German or Czech lager stuff, st- style of beers, but she loves the Mad Butcher mainly because it doesn't have a super amount of the bitterness, but it has a lot of that grapefruit kind of character. And that character comes through from the hops, uh, Citroen Mosaic are the hops that we use in that. And it kind of gives you that uh, profile for on the nose and in your palate that's uh, from like the zest that you'd get from the grapefruit. So it's kind of a nice balance there that a lot of people uh, really find approachable. So it is our number one beer um, that we have. And uh, so we figure we want to include that in there also. Are there any family recipes that you got from, you mentioned your great, great, great grandfather that had this brewery in New Prague way, way back. Did you find any secret recipes that you use today? We didn't find anything. Aww. I found some like old bill of ladings like uh, in our uh, genealogy or some history books that they've done on the family, uh, you know, like a lot of people have. And it was kind of neat. There was a section in there uh, from the brewery specifically, and there was a receipt of kegs that were delivered to Olivia, Minnesota. Oh, wow. And they are, it was huh. written up in the New Prague Times. Uh, back then because that was a big deal because yeah. look at how far they actually had to travel. You think back in the 1800s to bring beer to Olivia, that's By a horse, pretty big probably? deal. Do you think? I assume so. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
you know, and that's an interesting thing too. When you think about the history of beer, a lot has changed. You think of the craft resurgence. There's been multiple times over, you know, since prohibition where craft beer have kind of taken off and prohibition coming out of prohibition, the restricted laws had certain things in place to kind of what they felt prevent the issues that they had prior to prohibition that they wanted to kind of address. So there are some, you know, these old laws that sit on the books that we still have here in Minnesota in different States. But, uh, realistically, uh, you know, uh, even in the 60s, when you think of what hams did, uh, hams is the one that uh, had created a lot of challenges. You know, it was back then when Mankato Brewing Company, you know, closed in like 65, 68 in that kind of area. Uh, Jordan Beer, there was Regal Standard, uh, all these different breweries. But then they also kind of, you know, uh, consolidated because uh, they were kind of buying each other up. And eventually Cold Spring bought a lot of those brands and kind of... Uh, shelved them also at that time too because they're just there was just so much out there they're trying to consolidate and trying to compete with hams because hams was the first brewery really in the midwest at least in this area uh i think uh nationally too that figured out refrigeration the trucks to haul it to get it from point a to point b and they are building and expanding their footprint and made it very difficult for the small little breweries now to compete because now you're competing on a um you know it's a monot i mean at that point it's just they're looking at kind of making very similar beers. They're like, well, I can buy it from hams for a lot cheaper. I'm just going to get it from them. Uh, so that's the neat thing about craft breweries today is that they make a lot of different beers that uh, each person is a little bit different. And also beer-cations, you know, where you're thinking about brewery-cations and, you know, I'm going to visit, uh, you know, let's say your goal is to see 20 breweries this year, whatever it might be. You know, so that's kind of a fun thing that people do and they track it. And we get a lot of people on weekends that come, they're just coming through town. They might be from Sioux Falls and they drive through and, or the, they're from out of state even further and they just were on their stop. So, I mean, we do get a lot of agritourism type people that come visit us. Our goal then is to turn them into uh, fans of our brewery and craft beer and just to uh, turn them into a future customer too. Do you use locally sourced hops? I don't know if how much that's grown or if they are. I know you can grow them, but is that something you use or is there not just enough in round? Potentially. I mean, we do periodically, you know, the Yakima Valley is where the majority of the U.S. grown hops come from, which we are very similar for hemisphere wise. Mm-hmm. They just have the ability there to from uh, the moisture and everything just to make it just perfect. Um, so you'll see a lot more from that region locally here. When we use hops, it ends up being more fresh hops in the fall. Mm-hmm. So. They're harvesting the hops, and within hours, we're using it in a beer. So it gives you more of that fresh, grassy kind of character with the hops. So that's usually how we use it. But consistency in beer from today, five days, five months, or five years, we buy the hops that are tested and packaged properly so that we can replicate that process each time. That's the challenge. Do of you manufacture local. all your own beers, or do you have others you just stock or how? <laughs> what do you have uh, capabilities for we make all of our own beer yeah so you can uh, a brewery you will find some breweries that you know people ask do you make your own beer do you contract it so i mentioned cold spring as an example they end up contracting a lot of uh beer for different breweries all over the country uh you know i know that i picked up stuff from california and it was brewed and packaged in Cold Spring, Minnesota. So you'll see that in different, uh, Stevens Point is an example, same thing, where 
you couldn't do that. But I mean, we're a small brewery, so everything we make, and then you start getting into so much more legal regulations through the federal TTB that were regulated. And we just like it simple. The only thing that we've done that we've actually produced and then used in other alcohol is Chankaska Winery uh, and then Distillery by uh, sometimes will buy beer from us that they will uh, run through their distillation process. So it's like a hop whiskey. So they actually sell that. And uh, so we have a couple different beers that we make for them that they distill. But everything that we have and produce uh, that we sell is is made by us. Uh, in fact, Minnesota law requires any beer that you sell in your tap room, even as an example, must be brewed on that premise. So you can't sell guest beers or if you had two different breweries where sometimes you'll see some breweries where they may have a tap room, smaller brewery, and then they have a larger production brewery. Uh, that beer legally, what's served in that tap room must be brewed on that premise. You can't brew it at your other brewery and bring it in. So, Well, I want to ask you how business has been. Obviously, 2020 was a tough year. Mm-hmm. How did you get through that? Did you? I, I've been to your place before, so you can sit down there. Did you have to quit all that? And then what happened? Did you sell online or, or what did, did you do to continue? So, yeah. Twice during the year, we had our closure, you know, like everybody else when, you know, the bars and restaurants closed, we were closed. Uh, we, we could be allowed for like a liquor store could be. So people would come and pick up a crawler. They maybe would grab uh, a t-shirt or glassware or something like that. Uh, you know, during Christmas, which was tough, we couldn't be open for seated, mm-hmm. but they're picking up stuff to go and, you know, you know, gift ideas for the holiday. So, uh, and then during that time too, obviously there was a bigger push to retail sales. The tough part is, is the margins and anybody from business, I mean, you know, you're always looking at the margins of everything you produce. You know, the margin of draft or keg beer is twice as good as package beer. Cause you can imagine putting it in a can, putting it in a pack tech, the snap things on the top, putting it in a tray or putting it in the box for 12 packs there's as much cost into the box and packaging oh, okay. as there is uh, the beer itself. And so if we can put it in a keg that, you know, you know, we can turn. I mean, we've got kegs, you know, that are nine years old and you clean them properly, take care of them. It's just like a triple wash sink when you're cleaning the pro. There's a machine that we have that does that. And um, so it's nice if you can refill an asset like a keg that you've already paid for. Uh, so it's, you know, then now you're just, your true cost of goods sold is just going to be the raw materials and labor. Uh, and then we sell through a distributor and, you know, everybody gets their margin and it goes to the store, the bar, the restaurant. So 2020 was unique, you know, sales dollars were pretty good, uh, comparative over previous years. The tough part is that it was a low at a lower margin. So we just had to like every other business, I mean, just buckle down and, Really look at everything that you spend money on and making sure like, you know, the wants and needs. You, is this something we have to have or can this wait till next year when hopefully sales go up? Because you just don't want to be in a position where you're just burning through cash. And that was a tough part of what I saw with a lot of the bars or restaurants that closed during the shutdown. I felt bad for them when people would be on Facebook like, geez, are they closed? Are they ever going to open up again? I mean, like, guess what? These bars and restaurants were not designed to be opened for curbside pickup. They're losing money. In most cases, most of them are, you know, McDonald's and people who drive through, they're designed to support mm-hmm. curbside pickup or to go items like that. They're just doing that in order to keep some of their key employees employed, uh, to try to keep their branding and their recognition out there. So if you're bleeding cash, 
if you're open or not, you just got to look at it like, am I willing to risk the fact that I'm a bleak, bleed cash at a much greater rate by being open or close my doors. And all I got to do is worry about my rent and keeping the place warm because you're throwing away all your food already because you're closed. So that was a tough part. You know, the goal is that when you chance to reopen that you can actually have enough cash to open and not only last like a month or two, but last the next year. So hopefully you can start building your business back up again. We're talking with Tim Tupi, who is the owner of the Mankato Brewery about a big event coming up, the Facebook Live event through the Minnesota State University Main Street Mavericks, and we've been learning a little history as well. The event is actually coming up Saturday, February 6th at 5 p.m., where you come and you pick up a kit, which includes a couple samples of beer, and it includes uh, glasses and other swag from Minnesota State University. How do they get this? What, What can I do to order this ahead so then I can join everyone on this virtual tasting event sure so uh you know a lot of emails went out to our alums within a a certain radius uh, just this being the first event uh trying to do it manageably and do it well uh we we made the decision that the kits would need to be picked up in town and and kind of set a radius from your store from yep. the brewery from, from the brewery, brewery which is at at 1119 Center Street. Okay. Down in North Mankato again, down kind of in that uh, that Hineker uh, Hineker Pond area. Do you register online and then go pick it up? Is is that how that works? That's correct. You know, so uh, you know, emails went out to a lot of our alums, but if it didn't and something you want to take part in, uh, one way to to get in touch with us would be through our our alumni association Facebook page. There's a link there, and that's the MNSU Alumni Association page. And another way is, is to just call us directly at at five zero seven three eight nine one five one five. Or um, you can email us as well at alumni at mnsu.edu. And those kits can be picked up. Uh, we've got two pickup points. You know, we, we need to be down there helping and, and connecting with our alums. Uh, so we've got two pickup windows, Friday, oh. February 5th from 4 to 8 p.m. And then the day of the event, Saturday, February 6th from noon to 4. And we'll be down there and, and we'll have the list of those that have purchased. We'll get you your kit. Really sharp looking kits. We've got a, just a wonderful graphic on the outside, uh, you know, and, and, and some really nice work done by our folks here in, at Printing Services. That's the other neat part. We've got an amazing uh talented group of artists here who, who can put these things together. Um, and as we said, uh, the two big crawlers of beer, uh, some tasting glasses, and a lot of good MSU swag. Have um, you had a lot register so far? We're, we're, actually, we're actually getting to about three-quarters of the way. Uh, oh, there is to, a limit, so there you is need impressive. to, there to is register a limit. early? Yes, so, so we, we are coming up on, on the number of, of kits. Again, to, to do it manageably, to do it well for this first event, um, you know, we, we did have a, a limit, um, and we're getting to about three quarters of Ooh. what we had once sold. So, if it's something you want to do, now's the time. All right. So uh, let let us know. Go to fa- the MNSU Minnesota State University Facebook page and sign up for the Main Street Mavericks event. Anything final words you have to say, Tim? Why they should come and and visit you virtually and taste virtually? Well, I think I mean people are looking for something to do. So here's something that's just a short commitment. Uh, following right as soon as this is done too, they can watch the Maverick hockey, uh, it's going to be that night also. So it's kind of like, think of it as like a quick little get together. And even if they're in the Metro, I mean, we've had some people that have kind of called about it, like, Hey, I'm not able to come down the brewery on these times for Friday, Saturday, 
my friend is going down there. If I give them my registration, can they pick mine up? And we've even, uh, in one of our meetings, they were talking about there's one individual that's picking up for six people. Uh, so that can be done. So if they want to kind of find out who's coming down or pick one person and and then they can all have their little party uh, come that uh, Saturday the 6th, and I think it's a, a great opportunity for them to do something and still be involved and support uh, the Mavericks. Well, it sounds like a great event, Main Street Mavericks events, the first starting with the Mankato Brewery. Thank you both, Tim Tupi and Brian Zins, for coming on the show. Thank you, Karen. Thanks, Karen.